0: big jelly by rudy rucker and bruce sterling read by bruce sterling the screaming metal jellyfish dragged long invisible tentacles across the dry concrete acres of the san jose airport or so it seemed to tug tug Masoglia, math drunk programmer and fanatic aquarist tug was working on artificial jellyfish, and nearly everything looked like a jellyfish to him, even airplanes. Tug was here in front of the baggage claim to pick up Texas billionaire Revel Pullen. It had taken a deluge of phone calls, faxes, and email to lure the reclusive Texan venture capitalist from his decrepit, polluted East Texas oil fields, but Tug had now coaxed Revel Pullen to a second face-to-face meet in California. At last, it seemed that Tug's unconventional high-tech startup scheme would charge into full-scale production. The prospect of success was sweet. Tug had first met Revel in Monterey two months earlier at the spring symposium of the ACM sig that is, the Association for Computing Machinery's Special Interest Group for Underground and Submarine Computation. At the symposium, Tug had given a badly botched presentation on artificial jellyfish. He'd arrived with 500 copies of a glossy desktop-published brochure. Artificial jellyfish, your route to post-industrial global competitiveness. But when it came time for Tug's talk, his 15-terabyte virtual jellyfish demo had crashed so hideously that he couldn't even reboot his machine. A cheap Indonesian sun-clone laptop that Tug now used as a bookend. Tug had brought some slides as a backup, but of course the slide tray had jammed. And worst of all, the single, working prototype of Tug's plastic, artificial jellyfish had burst in transit to Monterey. After the talk, Tug, in a red haze of shame, had flushed the sodden rags of decomposing gel down the conference center's john. Tug had next headed for the cocktail lounge, and there the garrulous young Pullen had sought him out, had a few drinks with him, and had even picked up the tab. Tug's wallet had been stolen the night before by a cute older busboy. Since Tug's topic was jellyfish, the raucous pullin' had thought it funny to buy rounds of tequila jelly shots. The slimy jolts of potent boozy jello had combined with Revel's bellowed jokes, brags, and wild promises ease the pain of Tug's failed speech. The next day Tug and Revel had brunched together and Revel had written Tug a handsome check as earnest money for pre-development expenses. Tug was to develop an artificial jellyfish capable of undersea oil prospecting. As software applications went Oil drilling was a little rough-necked and analog for Tug's taste, but the money certainly looked real enough. The only troubling aspect about dealing with revel was the man's obsession, with some new and troublesome organic slime, which his family's oldest oil well had recently tapped. Again and again, the garish Texan had steered the conversation away from jellyfish and onto the subject of... Ancient subterranean slime. Perched now on the fire engine red hood of his expensive animata sports car, Tug waited for Revel to arrive. Tug had curly dark hair and a pink cheeked complexion. He wore shorts, a sport shirt, and Birkenstock sandals with Argyle socks. He looked like a depraved British schoolboy. He'd bought the animata with his house money nest egg when he'd learned that he would never, ever be rich enough to buy a house in California. Leaning back against the windshield of his car, Tug stared at the descending airplanes and thought about jellyfish trawling through sky-blue seawater. Tug had whole tankfuls of jellies at home. One tank, with flattish moon jellies, each with its four whitish circles of sex organs, another tank with small, clear bell jellies from the eelgrass of Monterey Bay, a large tank with sea nettles that had long, frilly oral arms and whip-like purple tentacles covered with stinging cells, a smaller tank of toadstool-like spotted jellies from Jellyfish Lake In Palau, a special tank of spinning comb jellies with trailing ciliated arms, a Japanese tank with Japanese umbrella jellies, and more. Next to the arsenal of tanks was the huge color screen of Tug's workstation. Tug was no biologist. He'd blundered under the spell of the jellies while using mathematical algorithms to generate cellular models of vortex sheets. To Tug's mathematician's eye, a jellyfish was a highly perfected relationship between curvature and torsion. Just like a vortex sheet, only a jellyfish was working off dynamic tension and osmotic stress. Real jellyfish were gnarlier than Tug's simulations. Tug had become a dedicated amateur of salentrotology, Imitating Nature to the Core Tug found a way to evolve and improve his vortex sheet models via genetic programming. Tug's artificial jellyfish algorithms competed, mutated, reproduced, and died inside the virtual reality of his workstation's sea green screen. As Tug's algorithms improved, his big computer monitor became a tank of virtual jellyfish, of graphic representations of Tug's equations pushing at the chip's computational limits, slowly pulsing about in dimly glowing simulation space. The living jellies and the tanks of true seawater provided an objective standard towards which Tug's programs could try to evolve. At every hour of the day and night, video cameras peered into the spotlit water tanks ceaselessly analyzing the jellyfish motions and feeding data into the workstation. The recent crowning step of Tug's investigations was his manufacturing breakthrough. His theoretical equations had become actual piezo-plastic constructions, soft, watery, gelatinous robot jellies of real plastic in the real world. These models were produced By using an intersecting pair of laser beams to center, that is to join together by heating without melting, the desired shape within a matrix of piezoplastic microbeads. The centered microbeads behave like a mass of cells. Each of them can compress or elongate in response to delicate vibratory signals, and each microbead could in turn pass information to its neighbors. A completed artificial jellyfish model was a floppy little umbrella that beat in steady cellular waves of excitation and relaxation. Tug's best plastic jellyfish could stay active for up to three weeks. Tug's next requirement for his creations was a killer application, as the software tycoons called it. And it seemed he might have that killer app in hand given his recent experiments in making the jellyfish sensitive to chemical scents and signals. Tug had convinced Revel, and half believed himself, that the artificial jellies could be equipped with radio signaling chips and set loose beneath the sea floor. They could sniff out oil seeps in the ocean bottom and work their way deep into the vents. If this were so, then artificial jellyfish would revolutionize undersea oil prospecting. The only drawback in Tug's view was that offshore drilling was a contemptible crime against the wonderful environment that had bred the real jellies in the first place. Yet, the plan seemed likely to free up Texas venture capital, enough capital to continue his research for at least another year. And maybe in another year, thought Tug, he would have a more ecologically sound killer app, and he would be able to disentangle himself from the crazy Texan. Right on cue, Revel Pullen came strolling down the exit ramp, clad in the garb of a white trash oil field worker, a flannel shirt, and a pair of can not bust em overalls. Revel had a blonde crew cut and smooth, dark skin. The shirt was from Neiman Marcus, and the overalls were iron, but they seemed to be genuinely stayed with dirt-fresh Texas crude. Tug hopped off the hood of his car and stood on tiptoe to wave, deliberately camping it up to jangle the Texan's nerves. He drew uh, up a heel behind him like Marilyn Monroe waving in The Misfits. Nothing daunted. Revel Pullen headed Tugsway with an exaggerated bow-legged sprawl and a scuff of his python-skin boots. Revel was the scapegrace nephew of Amarillo's billionaire Pullen brothers. The Pullen clan were malignant market speculators and greenmail raiders who had once tried to corner the world market in molybdenum. Revel himself, the least predictable of his clan, was in charge of the Pullen brothers' weakest investments, the failing oil wells that had initially brought the Pullen family to prominence, beginning with the famous Dithery Gusher, drilled near Spindletop, Texas in 1892. Revel's quirk was his ambition to become a high-tech tycoon. This was why Revel attended computer science meetings like SIGUSK despite his stellar ignorance of everything having to do with the movement of bytes and pixels. Revel stood ready to sink big money into a technically sexy Silicon Valley startup, especially if the startup could somehow do something for his family's collapsing oil industry and, though this part still puzzled Tog, find a use for some odd clear fluid that Revel's engineers had recently been pumping from the dithery hole. Shut out, Tug, drawled Revel, hoisting his polyester denim duffel bag from one slim shoulder to another. Mighty nice of y'all to come meet me. Beaming, Tug freed his fingers from Revel's insistent grip and gestured toward the animata. So, Revel, ready to start a business? I've decided we should call it Catenophore Inc. A catenophore is a kind of hermaphroditic jellyfish, which uses a comb-like feeding organ to filter nutrients from the ocean. They're also called comb jellies. Don't you think catenophore is a perfect name for our company? Raking in the dollars from the economy's mighty sea. Not so loud, Revel protested, glancing up and down the airport pavement in a parody of wary street smarts. As far as any industrial spy knows, I'm here in California on a personal vacation. He heaved his duffel into the back seat of Tug's car, then he straightened and reached deep into the baggy trouser pocket of his can't bustums. The Texan dragged out a slender pill bottle filled with clear viscous jelly, and pressed the crotch-warmed vial into Tug's unwilling palm with a dope dealer's covert insistence. I want you to keep this, Tug, just in case anything should, you know, happen to me. Revel swiveled his narrow head to scan the passers-by with paranoid alertness, briefly reminding Tug of the last time he'd been here at the San Jose airport to meet his ailing father, who'd been finger-paint-the-wall-with-shit-senile, and had been summarily dumped on the plane by Tug's uncle. Tug had gotten his father into a local nursing home, and last summer Tug's father had died. Life was sad, and Tug was letting it slip through his fingers. He was an unloved gay man who'd never see 30 again, and now here he was humoring a nutso het from Texas. Humoring people was not something Tug excelled at. Do you really have enemies, said Tug, or do you just think so? Am I supposed to think you have enemies? Am I supposed to care? There's money in these plans of ours, real folding money, Revel bragged darkly, climbing into the animatus passenger seat. He waited silently until Tug took the wheel and shut the driver's side door. Oh, we got a... All we really got to worry about, Revel continued at last, is controlling the publicity. The environmental impact crap? You didn't tell anybody about what I emailed you, did you? No, snapped tug. That cheap public key encryption you're using has garbled half your messages. What are you so worried about, anyway? Nobody's going to care about some slime from a played-out oil well, even if you do call it Urschleim. That's German, right? Shh," hissed Revel. Tug started the engine and gunned it with a bluish gust of muscular combustion. They swung out into the endless California traffic. Revel checked several times to make sure they weren't being trailed. Yes, I call it Ur Slime," he said at last portentously. In fact, I've put in a trademark for that name. Them old-time German professors were on to something, Ur." means primeval. All life came from the Ur-Slime, the original slime. Primeval slime from the inner depths of the planet. You ever bitten into a green almond tug from the tree? There's some green fuzz, a thin little shell, and a center of clear thick slime. That's exactly how our planet is too. "'Most of the original slime is still flowing and oozing and lying there way down deep. "'It's just waiting for some bright boy to pump it out and exploit its commercial potential. slime is life itself.'" "'That's pretty grandiose,' said Tug evenly. "'Grandiose hell!' Revel snapped. "'It's only salvation for the Texan oil business, compadre. "'God damn it! If we Texans don't drill for a living... We'll be reduced to peddling chips and software like a bunch of goddamn Pacific Rim computer weenies. You got me wrong if you think I'll give up the oil business without a fight. Sure, sure, I'm hip, Tug said soothingly. My jellyfish are going to help you find more oil, remember? It was easy to tell when Revel had gone nonlinear his Texan drawl thickened drastically and he began to refer to his beloved oil business as the I'll But what was the story with this Ursch Tug held up the pill bottle of clear slime and glanced at it while steering with one hand. The stuff was thixotropic, meaning a gel which becomes liquid when shaken. You tilt the vial, and all the oor would be stuck in one end, but then if you shook the bottle a bit, the slime state would change, and it would all run down to the other end, like ketchup suddenly gushing from a bottle. Smooth, clear ketchup. Snot. The dithery hole's oozing with urschlime right now, said Revel, settling a pair of Italian sunglasses onto his freckled nose. He looked no older than twenty-five. I brought three gallons of it in a tank in my duffel. One of my engineers says it's a new type of deep-lying oil, and another one says it's just water, infected with bacteria. But I'm with old hair doctor professor von Stoffman. We've struck the cell fluid of Mother Earth herself, undifferentiated tissue, tug, primordial ooze, Gaia goo, urschlime. What did you do to make it start oozing, asked Tug, suppressing a giggle. Revel threw back his head and crowed. Man, if OPEC got wind, about our new high-tech extraction techniques, you don't think I got enemies, son? Them sheiks play for keeps. Revel tapped his knuckles cagely against the car's closed window. Hell... Even Uncle Sam would be down on us if he knew that we'd been twisting jeans and seeding those old, worn-out oil beds with designer bacteria. They eat through tar and paraffin, change the oil's viscosity, unblock the pores in the stone, and get it all fizzy with methane. You wouldn't think the old dithery had it in her to blow valves and gush again, but we plumbed her out with a new extra virulent strain. And what did she gush? Urshlime! Revel peered at Tug over the tops of his designer sunglasses, assuming what he seemed to think was a trustworthy expression. But that ain't the half of it, Tug. Wait till I tell you what we did with the stuff once we had it. Tug was impatient. Gusher or not, Revel's bizarre maunderings were not going to sell any jellyfish. What did you think of that artificial jellyfish I sent you? Revel frowned. Well, it looked okay when it showed up. About the size of a deflated football. I dropped it in my swimming pool. It was floating there, kind of rippling and pulsing, for about two days. Didn't you say that sucker would run for weeks? 48 hours and it was gone. Disintegrated, I guess. Chlorine melted the plastic or something. No way! Protested tug intensely, it must have slipped out a crack in the side of your pool. I built that model the last three weeks for sure. It was my best prototype. It was a chemotactic artificial jellyfish designed to slither into undersea vents and find its way to underground oil beds. My swimming pool's not in the best condition, allowed Revel, so I guess it's possible that your jellyfish did squeeze out through a crack but If this oil prospecting application of yours is any good, the thing should have come back with some usable geology data, and it never did come back that I noticed. Face it, Tug, the thing melted. Tug wouldn't give in. My jellyfish didn't send back information because I didn't put a tracer chip in it. If you're going to be so rude about it, I might as well tell you that I don't think oil prospecting is a very honorable application. I'd real... I'd really rather see the California Water Authority using my jellies to trace leaks in irrigation and sewage lines. Revel yawned, sinking deeper into the passenger seat. That's real public-spirited of you, Dr. Misoglia, but California water ain't worth a dime to me. Tug pressed onward. Also, I'd like to see my jellyfish used to examine contaminated wells here in Silicon Valley. If you put an artificial jellyfish down a well and leave it to pulsate down there for a week or two, it could filter up all kinds of trace pollutants. It'd be a great public relations gambit to push the jelly's anti-pollution aspects. Considering your family history, it couldn't hurt to get the Pullen family in the good graces of the environmental protection people. If we angle it right, we could probably even swing a federal development grant. I don't know, hombre, reveled, grumbled. Somehow it just don't seem sportin' to take money from the feds. He gazed mournfully at the lushly exotic landscape of monkey puzzle trees, fat pampered yuccas, and orange trees. Man, everything sure looks green out here. Yes, Tug said absently. Thank God there's been a break in the drought. California has plenty of use for a jellyfish that can monitor water leaks. Not the water that counts, said Revel, it's the carbon dioxide. Two hundred million years worth of crude oil, all burned to carbon dioxide and spewed right into the air in just a few short decades. Plant life's going crazy, while all the plant life along this highway has built itself out of car exhausts. You ever think of that? It was clear from the look of glee on revels shallow features that this thought pleased him mightily. I mean, if you trace the history of that carbon and that weird-ass looking tree over there, 100 years ago, it was miles down in the primeval bowels of the earth. And since we eat plants to live, it's the same for people. Our flesh, brain, and blood is built out of burnt crude oil. We're creatures of the earth, slime. Tug. All life comes from the primeval goo. No way, said Tug heatedly. He took a highway exit to Los Peros, his own local enclave, in the massive sprawl that was Silicon Valley. One carbon atom's just like the next one. And once you're talking about artificial life, it doesn't even have to be an atom at all. It can be a bite of information or a microbead of piezoplastic. It doesn't matter where the material came from. Life is just a pattern of behavior. That's where you and me part company, boy. They were tooling down the main drag of Los Peros now, and Revel was gaping at some chicly dressed women. Dig it, Tug. Thanks to oil... A lot of the carbon in your yuppie neighbors comes from Texas. Like it or not, most modern life is fundamentally Texan. That's pretty appalling news, Revel, smiled Tug. He took the last remaining hilly corners with a squeal of his Michelins, then pulled into his driveway. He parked the animata under the rotting, fungus-specked redwood deck of the absurdly overpriced, suburban home that he rented. The rent was killing him. Ever since his lover had moved out last Christmas, Tug had been meaning to move into a smaller place, but somewhere deep down, he nursed nursed a hope that if he kept the house, some nice strong man would come and move in with him. Next door, Tug's neighbors were flinging water balloons and roaring with laughter as they sizzled up a huge aromatic rack of barbecued tofu they were rich samoans they had a big green parrot called toa toa on fine days such as today toa toa sat squawking on the gable of the house toa toa had a large yellow beak and a taste for cuddle bone and pumpkin seeds this is great revel opined examining the earthquake-split walls and peeling-ceiling sheetrock. I was afraid we'd have some trouble finding the necessary space for experiments. No problem, though, with you renting this sorry dump for your workshop. I live here, said Tug with dignity. By California standards, this is a very good house. No wonder you want to start a company. Revel climbed the redwood stairs to Tug's outdoor deck and dragged a yard-long plastic pressure cylinder from within his duffel bag, flinging aside some balled-up boot socks and a set of watered silk boxer shorts. You got a garden hose and a funnel? He pulled a roll of silver duct tape from the bottom of his bag. Tug supplied a length of hose, prudently choosing one that had been severely scorched during the last hillside brush fire, Revel whipped a French designer pocket knife from within his cant bustums and slashed off a three foot length. He then deftly duct taped the tin funnel to the end of the hose and blew a few kazoo like blasts. Revel then flung the crude hoard aside and took up the pressure cylinder. You don't happen to have a washtub, do you? No problem, Tug said. He went to the house and fetched a large plastic picnic cooler. Revel opened the petcock of the pressure cylinder and began decanting its contents into the cooler. The black nozzle slowly ejaculated a thick, clear gel rather like silicone putty. Pint after pint of it settled languorously into the white, pebbly interior of the hinged-topped cooler. The stuff had a sulfurous, burning rubber reek, the tug associated with Hawaii. A necessarily brief stay he'd had and the oozing, flaming slopes of Kilauea. Tug prudently sidled across the deck and stood upwind of the cooler. How far down did you obtain this sample? Rebel laughed. Down? Doc. This stuff broke the safety valves on old Dithery and blew drilling mud over five counties. We had an old-time blue ball gusher of it. It just kept coming, pouring out of the ground. Kind of, you know, spasmodic. Finally it up with a lake of clear hot pudding higher than the tops of pickups. Jesus, what happened then? Tug asked. Some evaporated. Some soaked right into the subsoil. Disappeared. The first sample I scored was out of the back of some good old boy's Toyota. Lucky thing he had the tailgate up or it would have all run out. Revel pulled out a handkerchief, wiped sweat from his forehead, and continued talking. Of course, once we got the rig repaired, we did some serious pump work. We Pullins happened to open, happened to own a tank farm near Nacogdoches, a couple of football fields worth of big steel reservoirs. Haven't seen you since the OPEC embargo of the 70s. They were pretty much abandoned on sight. But every one of them babies is brim full with Revel Poland's trademark Urschleim right now. He glanced up at the sun, looking a bit wild-eyed, and wiped his forehead again. You got any beer in this dump? Sure, Revel. Tug went into the kitchen for two bottles of Etna Ale and brought them out to the deck. Revel drank thirstily, then gestured with his makeshift horn. If this don't work, well, you're going to think I'm crazy. He pushed his Italian shades up onto the top of his narrow, crew-cut skull and grinned. He was enjoying himself. But if it does work, old son, you're going to think you're crazy. Revel dipped the end of the funnel into the quiescent but aromatic mass. He swirled it around, then held it up carefully and puffed. A fat, lozenge-shaped, gelatinous bubble appeared at the end of the horn. Holy cow, it blows up just like a balloon, Tug said, impressed. That's some kind of viscosity. Revel grinned wider, holding the thing at arm's length. It gets better. Tug Masoglia watched in astonishment. As the clear bubble of oarschleim slowly rippled and dimpled, a long double crease sank into the taut outer membrane of the gelatinous sphere, encircling it like the seam on an oversized baseball. Now, with a swampy-sounding pop, the bubble came loose from the horn's tin muzzle and began to float in mid-air. A set of cilia emerged along the seam, and the airborne jelly began to bob and beat its way upward. Urshlime whooped Revel. Jesus Christ, Tug said, staring in shocked fascination. The air jelly was still changing before his eyes, evolving a set of interior membranes, warping, pulsing, and rippling itself into an ever more precise shape for all the world, like a computer graphics program ray tracing its image into an elegant counterfeit of reality. Then a draft of air caught it. It hit the eaves of the house, adhered messily, and broke. Revel prudently stepped aside as a long rope of slime fell to the deck. I can hardly believe it, said Tug. Spontaneous symmetry breaking a self-actuating reaction-diffusion system. This slime of yours is an excitable medium with emergent behavior, Revel, and that spontaneous fractalization of the structures. Can you do it again? As many times as you want, said Revel, with as much Urschlime as you got. Of course, the smell kind of gets to you if you do it indoors. But it's so odd, breathed Tug, that the slime out of your oil well, is forming itself into jellyfish shapes just as I'm starting to build jellyfish out of plastic. I figure it for some kind of morphic resonance thing, nodded Revel. This primeval slime's been trapped inside the earth so long, it's truly aching to turn into something live and organic. Kind of like that super weird worm and bacteria and clam shit that grows out of deep undersea vents. You mean around the undersea vents, rebel. No, Tug, right out of him. That's the part most people don't get. Whatever, let me try blowing an Urschleim air jelly. Tug dabbled the horn's tin rim in the picnic cooler, then huffed away at his own balloon of Urschleim. The sphere began to ripple internally, just as before, with just the same dimples and just the same luscious double-crease Tug had a sudden deja vu. He'd seen this shape on his computer screen. All of a sudden, the treacherous, thixotropic stuff broke into a flying burst of clear snot that splashed all over his feet and legs. The magic goo felt tingly on Tug's skin. He wondered nervously if any of the slime might be passing into his bloodstream. He hurriedly toweled it off his body, then used the side of his Birkenstock sandal to push the rest of the slime off the edge of the deck. What do you think? asked Revel. I'm overwhelmed, said Tug, shaking his head. Your Urschlime jellyfish looks so much like the ones I've been building in my lab. Let's go in. I'll show you my jellyfish while we think this through. Tug led Revel into the house. Revel insisted on bringing the Urschlime-containing cooler and the empty pressure canister into the house. He even got Tug to throw an Indian blanket over them, in case we get company. Tug's jellyfish tanks filled up an entire room with great green bubbling glory. The aquarium room had been a domestic video game parlor during the early 1980s, when the home's original builder, a designer of shoot 'em up computer Twitch games, had shored up the floor to accommodate two dozen massive arcade consoles. This was a good thing, too, for Tug's seawater tanks were a serious structural burden and far outweighed all of Tug's other possessions put together, except maybe the teak waterbed which his ex-lover had left. Tug had bought the tanks themselves at a knockdown auction from the federal seizure sale of an eccentric Oakland cocaine dealer who had once used them to store schools of piranha. Revel Revel mulled silently over the ranks of jellyfish, backlit by greenish glow from the spotlights of a defunct speed metal crew. Tug's jellies were at their best. The backlighting brought out their most secret, most hidden interior curvatures with an unblinking brilliance that was well-nigh pornographic. Their seawater trace elements and Purina jellyfish lab chow cost more than Tug's Tug's own weekly grocery bills. But his jelly menagerie had come to mean more to Tug than his own nourishment, health, money, or even his love life. He spent long, secret hours entranced before the gently spinning, ciliated marvels watching them reel up their brine shrimp prey in mindless reflexive elegance, absorbing the food in a silent ecstasy of poisonous goo, live digestive goo that transmuted through secret alchemical biology into pulsating glassy flesh. Tug's ex-lover had been pretty sporting about Tug's goo mania, especially compared to his other complaints about Tug's numerous perceived character flaws. But Tug figured his lover had finally been driven away by some deep rivalry with the barely organic. Tug had gone to some pains to Windex his nose prints from the aquarium glass before Revel arrived. Can you tell which ones are real and which ones I made from scratch? Tug demanded triumphantly. You got me whipped, Revel admitted. It's a real nice show, Tug. If you can really teach these suckers some tricks, we'll have ourselves a business. Revel's denim chest emitted a ringing sound. He reached within his overalls, whipped out a cellular phone the size of a cigarette pack, and answered it. Pull in here? What? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, see ya. He flipped the phone shut and stowed it. "'Got your visitor coming,' he announced. "'Business consultant I hired.'" Tug frowned. "'My uncle's idea, actually,' Revel shrugged. "'Just kind of standard pullin' procedure "'before we sink any real money in a venture. "'We got ourselves one of the best "'computer industry consultants in the business.'" "'Yeah? Who?' "'Edna Sidney. "'She's a futurist.'" She writes a high-finance technology newsletter that's real hot with the boys in suits. Some strange woman is going to show up here and decide if my Katina four Ink is worth funding? Tug's voice was high and shaky with stress. I don't like it, Revel. Just try and act like you know what you're doing, Tug. And then she'll take my Uncle Donnie Ray, a clean bill of health for us. Just the detail, really. Revel laughed falsely. My uncle is a little overcautious. Belt and suspenders kind of guy. A lot of private investigators on his payroll and stuff. The old boy's just trying to keep me out of trouble, basically. Don't worry about it, Nun Tug. Revel's phone rang again, this time from the pocket on his left buttock. Pull in here. What? Yeah, I know his house don't look like much, but this is the place, all right. Yeah, okay, we'll let you in. Revel stowed the phone again and turned to Tug. "'Don't get the door, man, and I'll double-check that our cooler of Urschlime is out of sight.' Seconds later, Tug's front doorbell rang loudly. Tug opened it to find a woman in blue jeans, jogging shoes, and a shapeless gray wool jersey, slipping her own cellular phone into her black nylon satchel. "'Hello?' she said. Are you doctor Miss Oglia? Yes I am, Tug Miss Oglia. Edna Sidney. Edna Sidney Associates. Tug shook Edna Sidney's dainty blue knuckled hand. She had a pointed chin, an impressively large forehead, and a look of extraordinary, almost supernatural intelligence in her dark brown shoe button eyes. She had a neat cap of gray-streaked brown hair. She looked like a digital pixie leapt full-blown from the brain of Thomas Edison. While she greeted Revel, Tug dug a business card from his wallet and forced it on her. Edna, Sid- Edna Sidney reposted with a card from the satchel that gave office addresses in Washington, Prague, and Chicago. Would you care for a latte? Tug babbled, "Tab, Pineapple mango soda? Edna Sidney settled for a jolt cola, then gently maneuvered the two men into the jellyfish lab. She listened attentively as Tug launched into an extensive arm-waving spiel. Tug was inspired. Words gushed from him like Revel's slime He'd never before met anyone who could fully understand him when he talked techie jargon absolutely as fast as he could. Edna Sidney, however, not only comprehended Tug's jabber, but actually tapped her foot occasionally and once politely stifled a yawn. I've seen artificial life devices before, Edna allowed, as Tug began to run out of verbal ectoplasm. I knew all those Santa Fe guys before they destroyed the futures exchanges and got sent off to Leavenworth. I wouldn't advise trying to break into the software market with some new genetic algorithm. You don't want to end up like Bill Gates. Revel snorted. Gates? Jeez, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. He chortled aloud. To think they used to compare that nerd to Rockefeller. Hell, Rockefeller was an oil businessman, family man. If Gates had been in Rockefeller's class, there'd be kids named Gates running half the states in the Union by now. I'm not planning to market the algorithms, Tug told the consultant. They'll be a trade secret. And I'll market the jelly simulacra themselves. Catenophore Inc. is basically a manufacturing enterprise. What about the threat of reverse engineering? We got an 18-month lead, reveled Bragg. Around these parts, that's like 18 years anywhere else. Besides, we got a set of ingredients that's going to be mighty hard to duplicate. There hasn't been a lot of, a uh, sustained industry development in the artificial jellyfish field before, Tug told her. We've got a big R&D advantage. Edna pursed her lips. Well, that brings us to marketing then. How are you going to get your products advertised and distributed? Oh... For publicity, we'll do Comdex, Alife Developers, Bioscience Fair, Mondo 3000. The works, revel assured her. And get this, we can ship jellies by the pulling Oil Pipelines anywhere in North America for free. Try and match that for ease of distribution and clever use of an installed base. Hell, it'll be almost as easy as downloading software from the internet. That certainly sounds innovative. Edna nodded. So let's get to the crux of matters, then. What's the killer app for a robot jellyfish? Tug and Revel traded glances. Our exact application is highly confidential, Tug said tentatively. Maybe you could suggest a few apps, Edna, Revel told her, folding his arms cagely over the denim chest of his cant bustums. Come on and earn your 20,000 bucks an hour. Hmm, the consultant said. Her brow clouded, and she sat in the armchair at Tug's workstation, her eyes gone distant. Jellyfish. Industrial jellyfish. Greenish, rippling aquarium light played across Edna Sidney's face as she sat in deep thought. The jellyfish kept up their silent, eternal pulsations, kept on bouncing their waves of contraction out and back between the centers and the rims of their bells. Housewares application, said Edna presently. Fill them with lye and flush them through sinks and commodes. They agitate their way through sink traps and hairballs and grease. Check, said Tug alertly. He snatched a mechanical pencil from the desktop and began scribbling notes on the back of an unpaid bill. Assist fermentation in septic tanks by loading jellies with decomposition bacteria, then setting them to churn the tank sludge. Sell them in packs of thousands for city-sized sewage installations. Outrageous, said Tug. Microsurgical applications inside plugged arteries. Pulsates plaque away gently, but disintegrates in the ventricle valves to avoid heart attacks. That would need FDA approval, Revel hedged, maybe a few years down the road. You can get a livestock application done in 18 months, said Edna. It's happened in recombinant DNA. Gotcha, said Revel. Lord knows the Pullen's got a piece of the cattle business. If you could manufacture... Portuguese man-o-war, or other threatening toxic jellies, Edna said, then you could set a few thousand right offshore in perhaps Hilton Head or Puerto Viarta. After the tourist trade crashed, you could buy up shoreline property cheap and make a real killing. She paused. Of course, that would be illegal. Right, Tug nodded, pencil scratching away. Although my plastic jellyfish don't sting... I suppose we could implant pouches of toxins in them. It would also be unethical and wrong. Yeah, yeah, we get it, Revel assured, or anything else? Do the jellyfish reproduce? asked Edna. No, they don't, Tug said. I mean, not by themselves. They don't reproduce and they don't eat. I can manufacture as many as you want to any spec, though. So they're not truly alive, then? They don't evolve? They're not type 3A life? I evolved the algorithms for their behavior in my simulations, but the devices themselves are basically sterile robots with my best algorithms hard-coded in, tug-geeked fluently. They're jellyfish androids that run my code. Not androids, solentoroids. It's probably just as well if they don't reproduce, said Edna primly. How big can you make them? Well, not much bigger than a basketball at present. The lasers I'm currently using to center them are of limited capacity. Tug neglected to mention that he had the lasers out on unauthorized loan from San Jose State University thanks to a good friend in lab support at the School of Engineering. In principle, a jellyfish could be quite large. So they're currently too small to live inside, said Edna thoughtfully. Revel smiled. Live inside, huh? You're really something special, Edna. That's what they pay me for, she said crisply. She glanced at the screen of Tug's workstation, with its rich background color drifting from sky blue to sea green, and with a vigorous pack of sea nettles pumping their way forward. What genetic operators are you using to evolve your algorithms? Standard Holland stuff, proportional reproduction, crossover, mutation, and inversion. The Chicago A-Life group came up with a new schemata-sensitive operator last week, said Edna. Preliminary tests are showing a 40% speed-up for searching intractable sample spaces. Terrific! That would really be useful for me, said Tug. I need that genetic operator. Edna scribbled a file location and the electronic address of a downloading site, on tug's business card and gave it back to him then she glanced at a dainty wristwatch inside her left wrist Revel's uncle paid for a full hour plus travel you two want to spring for a retainer or do i go uh thanks a lot but i don't think we can swing a retainer revel said modestly edna nodded slowly then touched one finger to her pointed chin i just thought of an angle for using your jellyfish In hotel swimming pools, if your jellyfish don't sting, you could play with them like beach balls. They'd filtrate the water, and they could shut off little polyps to look for cracks. I just hate the hotel pools in California. They're surrounded by anorexic bleached blondes drinking margaritas made of chemicals with 40 letters in their names. Should we talk some more? If you don't like your pool, maybe you could take a nice dip in one of Tug's tanks. Revel said with a glance at his own watch. Bad idea, Revel, Tug said hastily. You get a good jolt from those natural sea nettles and it'll stop your heart. Do you have a license for those venomous creatures? Edna asked coolly. Tug tugged his forelock in mock contrition. Well, Ms. Sidney, amateur solenterotology is kind of a poorly policed field. Edna stood up briskly and hefted her nylon bag. We're out of time. So here's the bottom line, she said. This is one of the looniest schemes I've ever seen. But I'm going to phone Revel's uncle with the go-ahead as soon as I get back into Illinois airspace. Risk taking weirdos like you two are what makes this industry great. And the Pullen family can well afford to back you. I'm rooting for you, boys. And if you ever need any cut-rate Kazakh programmers, send me email. Thanks, Edna, Revel said. Yes, said Tug, thank you for all the good ideas. He saw her to the door. She didn't really sound very encouraging, Tug said, after she left. And her ideas were ugly compared to ours. Fill my jellyfish with lye? Put them in septic tanks and in cow arteries? Fill them with poison? To sting families on vacation? He flung back his head. and began camping back and forth across the room, imitating Edna in a shrieking falsetto. They're not type 3A life. Oh, dear. How I hate those anorexic blondes. Oh, my. Look, Tog, if Edna was a little underwhelmed, it's just because I didn't tell her everything, said Revel. A trade secret is a trade secret, boy. And three's always a crowd. That gal's got a brain with a strength of ten. But even Edna Sidney can't help drop in certain hints in those pricey little newsletters of hers. Revel whistled briefly, pleased with his own brilliance. Tug's eyes widened in sudden cataclysmic comprehension. I've got it, Revel. I think I've got it. When you first saw an Urschlime air jelly Was it before or after you put my plastic jellyfish in your swimming pool? After, compadre. I only first thought of blowing urshline bubbles last week. I was drunk, and I did it to make a woman laugh. But you sent me that sorry-ass melting jellyfish a full six weeks ago. That sorry-ass melting jellyfish found its way out a crack in your swimming pool and down through the shale beds into the dithery hole, cried Tug exultantly. Yes, that's it, Revel. My equations migrated right out into your goo. Your software got into my primeval slime, said Revel slowly. How exactly is that supposed to happen? Mathematics represents optimal form, Revel, said Tug. That's why it slips in everywhere, but sometimes you need a seed equation. Like, if water gets cold, it likes to freeze. It freezes into a mathematical lattice, but if you have really cold water in a smooth tank, the water might not know how to freeze until maybe a snowflake drifts into it. To make a long story short, the mathematical formations of my centered jellyfish represent a low-energy phase-space configuration that is stably attractive to the dynamics of the Earth slime. That story's too long for me, said Revel. Let's just test if you're right. Why don't we throw one of your artificial jellies into my cooler full of slime? Good idea, Tug said, pleased to see Revel plunging headlong into the scientific method. They returned to the aquaria tug mounted a stepladder festooned with bright red anti-litigation safety warnings and used a long-handled aquarium net to fetch up his best artificial jelly a purple-striped piezo plastic sea nettle that he'd centered up just that morning a homemade stingless crisaora quinquichira Revel and Tug strode out to the living room with the plastic sea nettle pulsating gamely against the fine woven mesh of the net. Stand back, Tug warned, and flipped the jelly into the four inches of urschlime still in the plastic picnic cooler. The slime heaved upward violently at the touch of the little artificial jellyfish. Once again, Revel blew some Texan hot air into the goo. Only this time, it all lifted up at once, all five liters of it, forming a floating sea nettle the size of a large dog. "'Don't let it hit the ceiling!' Revel shouted. The lime jelly drifted around the room, its white oral arms swaying like the train of a wedding dress. "'Yee-haw! Shit-howdy!' This one's different from all the Urshline ones I've seen before. People would buy this one just for fun. Edna's right. It'd be a hell of a pool toy or, heck, a plain old land toy as long as it don't fly away. A toy, said Tug. You think we should go with the recreational application? I like it, Revel. Recreation has positive energy and there's a lot of money in gaming. Just like Tag, Revel hooted capering. Blind man's bluff. Watch out, Revel. One swaying fringe of dog-sized er jelly made a sudden whipping snatch at Revel's leg. Revel yelped in an alarm and tumbled backward over the living room hassock. Christ, get it off me, Revel cried as the enormous jelly reeled at his ankle. Its vast, gelatinous bulk hovered menacingly over his upturned face. Tugged with a burst of inspiration, slid open the glass doors to the deck. Caught in a draft of air, The jelly released Revel and floated out through the doors and sailed off over Tug's redwood deck. Tug watched the dog-sized jelly ascending serenely over the neighbor's yard. Engrossed in beer and tofu, the neighbors failed to notice it. Toa Toa the parrot swooped off the roof of the Samoan's house and rose to circle the great flying sea nettle, the iridescent green parrot hung in a moment of timeless beauty near the ta- translucent jelly and then was caught by one of the lashing oral arms. There was a frenzy of green motion inside the urschlime sea nettle's bell and then the parrot had clawed and beaked its way free. The punctured nettle fell into the stiff, gnarly branches of a madrone tree and lay there melting. The moist Toa Toa cawed angrily from her rooftop perch, flapping her wings to dry. Wow, said Tug. I'd like to see that again on digital video. He smacked his forehead with the flat of his hand. But now we've got none left for testing, except wait that little bit in the vial. He yanked the vial from his pocket and looked at it speculatively. I could put a "'tiny Monterey bell jelly in here "'and then put in some nanophones "'to pick up the phonon jitter. "'Yeah! "'If I could get even a rough map "'of the Urshlimes basins of chaotic attraction!' "'Revel yawned loudly and stretched his arm. "'Sounds fascinating, Doc. "'Take me on down to my motel, would you? "'I'll call Dithery "'and get some more Urshlime "'delivered to your house by, oh, six 6 a.m. tomorrow. "'And by day after tomorrow?' I can get you a lot more, a whole lot more. Tug had rented Revel a room in the Los Peros Inn, a rundown stucco motel where, Tug told Revel as he dropped him off, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe had once spent a honeymoon night. Fearing that Tug harbored a budding romantic notion of a honeymoon night for himself, Revel frowned and muttered. Now I know why they call this the granola state. Nuts, flakes, and fruits. Relax, said Tug. I know you're not gay. And you're not my type anyway. You're way too young. What I want is a manly older guy who will cherish me and take care of me. I want to snuggle against his shoulder and feel his strong arms around me in the still of the night. Perhaps the Etna ale had gone to Tug's head or... Maybe the Ur-Slime had affected him. In any case, he didn't seem at all embarrassed to be making these revelations. "'See you tomorrow, son,' said Revel, closing his door. Revel got on the phone and called the home of Hoss Jenks, the old forehand of the Dithery Field. "'Hoss, this is Revel Pullin. Can you messenger me out another pressure tank of that goo?' That goo, Revel, that goo. There's been big-ass balloons of it floating out of the well. You should never have thrown those gene-splashed bacteria down there. I told you before, Haas, it ain't bacteria we're dealing with. It's primeval slime. Ain't many of us here that agree, Revel. What if it's some kind of plague on the oil wells? What if it spreads? Let's stick to the point, Haas. Has anybody noticed the balloons? Not yet. Well, just keep folks off our property, Hoss, and tell the boys not to be shy of firing warning shots. We're on unincorporated land. I don't know how long this can stay secret, Hoss. We need time to try and find to, a way to make a balk off of this. If I can get the right spin on the Ursch line, folks will be glad to see it coming out of the dithery. Just between you and me, I'm out here with the likeliest old boy to figure out what to do. Not that he's much of a regular fella, but that's neither here nor there. Name of Tug Misoglia. I think we're on to something big. Send that tank of goo out to Misoglia's address pronto. Here it is. Yeah, and here's his number. And while we're at it, here's my number at the motel. And Hoss, let's make that three tanks. Same size as the one you filled up for me yesterday. Yeah. Try and get him out here by 6 a.m. tomorrow. And start routing out... A pull pipeline connection between our Nacogdoches tank farm and Monterey. Monterey, California? Or Monterey, Mexico? California. Monterey's handy, and it's out of the way. We'll need some place real quiet for the next stage I'm planning. There's way too many professional snoops watching everybody's business here at Silicon Valley. Driving around, scanning cellular phones and stuff. You're reaching this call as encrypted, aren't you, Hoss? Sure thing, boss. Got my clipper chip set to maximum scramble. Good, good. Just making sure. Trying to be cautious, Hoss. Just like Uncle Donnie Ray. Hoss gave a snort of laughter on the other end of the line. And Revel continued. Anywho, we need some place kind of out of the way but still convenient. Some place with some spare capacity but a little run down so as we can rent lots of square footage on the cheap and the city fathers don't ask too many prying questions. Ask Lucy to sniff around and find me a place like that in Monterey. There's already hundreds of towns like that in Texas. Yeah, but I want to do this out here. This deal's a software kind of thing, so it's got to be California. Revel woke around 7 a.m., stirred by the roar of the morning rush hour traffic. He got his breakfast at a California coffee shop, called itself southern kitchen yet served orange rind muffins and sliced kiwi fruits with the eggs over breakfast he called texas and learned that lucy had found an abandoned tank farm near a defunct polluted military base just north of monterey the tank farm belonged to felix canonez who had been the base's fuel supplier the property on Quinonez's private land included a large garage. The setup sounded about perfect. Lease it, Lucy, said Revel, slurping his coffee. In fact, has two copies of the contract so as me and him can sign off down on his property today. I'll get this tug misoglia fella to drive me down there. Let's say two o'clock this afternoon. Lock it in. Now, has Haas found a pipeline connection? He has straight to Kenonas' tanks. Bless you, honey. Oh, and one more thing. Draw up incorporation papers for a company called Catinafore Inc. Register the company and get the name trademarked. C-T-E-N-O-P-H-O-R-E. What it means, it's kind of morphodite jellyfish. Swear to God. I learned it from Tugmasoglia. If you should put Miss Soglia's name on my incorporation papers, are you teasing me, Lucy? Are you trying to make old Revel mad? Now book me and Miss Soglia, a suite in a Monterey hotel, and fax the incorporation papers to me there. Thanks, darling. Talk to you later. The rapid fire wheeling and dealing filled Revel with joy. Expansively swinging his arms, he strolled up the hill to Tug's house, which was only a few blocks off. The air was clear and cool, and the sun was a low, bright disk in the immaculate blue sky. Birds fluttered this way and that, sparrows, grackles, robins, hummingbirds, and the startlingly large California blue jays. A dog barked in the distance as the exotic leaves and flowers swayed in the gentle morning breeze. As he drew closer to Tug's house, Revel could hear the steady screeching of the Samoan's parrot. And when he turned the corner of Tug's block, Revel saw something very odd. It was like there was a ripple in the space over Tug's house, an undulating, bluish glinting of curved air. Wheeling about in the midst of the glinting was the furious Toa Toa, a school of small airborne bell jellies were circling around and around over Tug's house, now fleeing from and now pursuing the parrot who was endeavoring to puncture them one by one. Revel yelled at the cloud of jellyfish. But what good would that do? You could as soon yell at a volcano or at a spreadsheet. To Revel's relief, the parrot retreated to her house with a broken tail feather, and the jellies did not follow her. But now, were the air bells catching the scent plume of the air off Revel's body? They flocked and spiraled eldritchly revel hurried up tug's steps and into his house right past the three empty cylinders of ursch lime lying outside tug's front door inside tug's house reeked of subterranean sulfur Air jellies of all kinds, pressed this way and that, sea nettles, comb jellies, bell jellies, spotted jellies, and even a few giant siphonophores, all the jellies of different sizes, but the smaller ones beating frantically faster than the big ones. It was like a children's birthday party with lighter-than-air balloons. Tug had gone utterly batshit with air slime. Hey, Tug! Revel called, slapping a sea nettle away from his face. What's going on, buddy? Is it safe in here? Tug appeared from around a corner. He was wearing a long blonde wig. His cheeks were high pink with excitement, and his blue eyes were sparkling. He wore a bright lipstick and a tight red silk dress. It's a jelly party, Revel! A huge siphonophore, shaped like a (laughs) mustachioed rope of mucus came bumping along the ceiling toward Revel, its mane of oral arms soundlessly a jangle. Help! Oh, don't worry so, said Tug. and Don't beat up a lot of wind. Air currents are what excites them. Here, if you're scared, come down to my room while I slip into something less confrontational. Revel sat on a chair in the corner of Tug's bedroom while Tug got back into his shorts and, and sandals. I was so excited when all that slime came this morning that I put on my dress-up clothes, Tug confessed. I've been dancing with my equations for the last couple of hours. There doesn't seem to be any size limit to the size of the jellyfish I can blow. We can make Urschlime jellyfish as big as anything. Revel rubbed his cheek uneasily. Did you figure anything more out of, about them, Tug? I didn't tell you before, but back at Dithery, we're getting spontaneous air jelly releases. I mean, I sure don't understand how the hell they can fly. Did you get that part yet? Well, as I'm sure you know, the scientific word for jellyfish is solenturet, said Tug, leaning toward the mirror to take off his lipstick. Solenturet is from hollow gut in Latin. Your average jellyfish has an organ called a solentoron, which is a sac-like cavity within its body. The reason these Urschlime fellows can fly is that somehow the Urschlime vaporizes to fill their solentorons with, of all things, helium, nature's noblest gas, traditionally found seeping out of the shafts of oil wells. Tug whooped, waggled his ass, and slipped off his wig. Revel clambered angrily to his feet. I'm glad you're having fun, Doc, but fun ain't business. We're in retail now, and like they say in retail, you can't do business from an empty truck. We need jellies, all stocks, all sizes. You ready to set up shop seriously? What do you mean? I mean build products, son. I done call my man Haas Jenkins at dithery, and we're going to be ready to start pumping Lime cross-country by pipeline around noon our time tomorrow. That is, if you're man enough to handle the other end of the assembly line here in California. Isn't that awfully sudden? Tug hedged, wiping off his mascara. I mean, I do have some spreadsheets and business plans for a factory, but... Revel scoffed and swatted at the jelly-stained leg of his camp bustums. Where have you been, Tug? This is the 21st century. Ain't you ever heard of just-in-time manufacturing? Hell, in Singapore or Taiwan, they'd have already set up six virtual corporations and had this stuff shipped to global markets yesterday. But I can't run a major manufacturing enterprise out of my house, Tug said, gazing around him. Even my laser centering equipment is on a kind of um, loan from the university. We'll still need lasers for making the plastic jellies to seed the big ones. I'll buy you lasers, Tug. Just give me the part numbers. But, but, we'll need workers, people to answer the phone, men to carry things. Tug paused. Though, come to think of it, we could use a simple Turing imitation program to answer the phones. And I know where we can pick up a few industrial robots to do the heavy lifting. "'Now you're talking sense. Revel nodded. "'Let's go on upstairs.' "'But what about the factory building?' Tug called after Revel. "'We can't fit the business into my poor house. "'We'll need a lot of floor space and a tank to store the Urshline "'with a pipeline depot nearby. "'We'll need a power hookup, an internet node, "'and, and it has to be in some out-of-the-way locale,' said Revel, "'turning to grin down from the head of the stairs, "'which I already leased for us this morning.' "'My star,' said Tug. "'Where is it?' "'Monterey, you're driving." "'Revel glanced around the living room, "'taking in the odd menagerie "'of disparate jellyfish floating about. "'Before we go,' he cautioned, "'you better close the door to your wood stove. "'There's a passel of little air jellies "'who've already slipped out through your chimney. "'They were hassling your neighbor's parrot.' "'Oh,' said Tug, "'and closed the wood stove's door, "'the big siphonophore.' slimed its arms across tug instead of trying to fight away tug dangled his arms limply and began hunching his back rhythmically like a jellyfish the siphonophore soon lost interest in him and drifted away that's how you do it said tug just act like a jellyfish that's easier for you than it is for me said revel picking up a twitching plastic moon jelly from the floor let's take some of these suckers down to monterey with us We can use them for seeds. We can have, like, a tank of these moon jellies, some comb jellies, a tank of sea nettles, a tank of those big street loogie things over there, he pointed at a siphonophore. Sure, said Tug. We'll bring all my little plastic ones and figure out which ones make the best Urschlime toys. They set a sheet of plastic into the animatis trunk, loaded it up with plastic jellyfish doused in seawater, and set off for monterey all during the trip down the highway revel jabbered into his cellular phone jolting various movers and shakers into action pulling family clients suppliers and gophers in dallas houston san antonio even a few discreet calls to jakarta and macau quinones's tank farm was just north of monterey squeezed up against the boundaries of what had once been Fort Ord. During their occupancy of these rolling dunes, the army had so thoroughly polluted the soil that the land was now legally unusable. The base, which had been closed since the 1990s, was a nature preserve, coom hazardous waste site. Those wishing to stroll the self-guiding nature trails were required to wear respirators and disposable plastic shoe covers. Tug guided the animata along a loop road that led to the back of the Ord natural waste site. Inland from the dunes were huge fields of Brussels sprouts and artichokes. In one of the fields, six huge silvery tanks rested like visiting UFOs. There it is, Tug, said Revel, putting away his phone. The home of Four Inc. As they drew closer, they could see that the great storage tanks were marred with graffiti and pocked with rust. Some of the graffiti were richly psychedelic, but most were Aztec gang code glyphs about red and blue, south and north, the numbers 13 and 14 and so on. The gang's points of dispute grew ever more abstract. Between the tanks and the road, there was a vast gravel parking lot with yellowed thistles pushing up through it. At one side of the lot was a truly enormous steel and concrete garage, practically the size of an aircraft hangar. Painted on the wall in fading electric pink, yellow and blue, was Quinonez Motorotive Max Nix We Fix. Pull on up there, Tug, said Revel. Mr. Canone's is supposed to show up and give us the keys. How did you get the lease lined up already? What do you think I've been doing on the phone, Doc, ordering pizza? They got out of the animata and stood there in the sudden startling silence beneath the immense clear California sky. In the distance, a sputtering motor made itself heard, then pushed closer. Revel wandered back towards the nearest oil tank and peered at it. Now the motor arrived in the form of a battered, multicolored pickup truck driven by a rugged older man with iron-gray hair and a heavy mustache. Hello, sang Tug, instantly in love. Good afternoon, said the man getting out of his pickup. I'm Felix Ganonis. He stuck out his hand and Tug eagerly grasped it. I'm Tug Misoglia, said Tug. I handle the science, and my partner, Revel Pullen over there, handles the business. I think we're... Leasing this property from you? I think so, too, said Quinones, baring his strong teeth in a flashing smile. He let go of Tug's hand, giving Tug a thoughtful look, an ambiguous look. Did Tug dare hope? Now Revel came striding over. Quinones, I'm Revel Pullin. Did you bring the contract Lucy? Facts, you? Muy bueno, my man. Let's sign the papers on the hood of your pickup Texas style. The ceremony completed. Kinonas handed over the keys. This is the key to garage. This is for the padlock on the pipeline valve. And these here are for the locks on the stairways up into the tanks. We've been having some trouble keeping kids out of here. I can see that from the free paint jobs you've been getting, said Revel staring over at the graffiti bedecked tanks. But the rust I'm seeing is what worries me, the corrosion. ''These tanks have been empty and out of use for quite a few years,'' granted Kenonis. ''But you weren't planning on filling them, were you?'' ''As I explained to your assistant, the hazardous materials license for this site was revoked the day Fort Ord was closed.'' ''I certainly am planning on filling those tanks,'' said Revel. ''Why the hell else would I be renting them? But the materials ain't going to be hazardous.'' ''You're dealing in beet sugar?'' inquired Kenonis. Never you mind what's going in the tanks, Felix. Just show me around and get me up to speed on your valves and pipelines. He handed the garage key to Tug. Here, Doc, scope out the building while Felix here shows me his system. Thanks, Revel. But Felix, before you go off with him, just show me how the garage lock works, said Tug. I don't want to set off an alarm or something. Revel watched disapprovingly while Tug walked over to the garage with Felix, chattering all the way. You must be very successful, Felix, gushed Tug as the leathery-faced Quinonez coaxed the garage, rusty lock open, grasping for more topics to keep the conversation going. Tug glanced up at the garage's weathered sign. "Motorotive," that's a good word. A cholo who worked for me made it up, allowed Quinonez. Do you know what Max Nix We Fix means? Not really. My dad was in the army in the 60s. He was stationed in Germany. He had an easy deal. He was in the motor vehicle division, of course, and that was their slogan. Max Nix is German for It Doesn't Matter. How would you say Max Nix in, in Spanish? inquired Tug. I love Spanish. No problema, grinned Felix. Tug felt that there was definitely a good vibration between them. Now the lock on the garage door squeaked open, and Felix held it open so that Tug could pass inside. The lights are over here, said Felix, hitting a bank of switches. The cabinet's garage was like a vast barn for elephants. There were thirty vehicle repair bays on either side, like stalls. Each bay was big enough to have once held a huge green army truck. "'Hey, Canonis!' came Revel's holler. "'I ain't got all day!' "'Thanks so much, Felix,' said Tug, "'reaching out to the handsome older man for another handshake. "'I'd love to see more of you.' "'Well, maybe you will,' said Felix softly. "'I am not a married man.' "'That's lovely,' breathed Tug. "'The two made full eye contact. "'No problema.' "'Later that afternoon,' Tug and Revel settled into a top-floor suite of a Monterey Seaside hotel. Tug poured a few buckets of hotel ice onto the artificial jellyfish in his trunk. Revel got back into the compulsive wheeler-dealer mode with his portable phone again, his demands becoming more unseemly and grandiose as he and Tug worked their way inch by amber inch through a fifth of Gentleman Jack. At three in the morning, Tug crashed headlong into bed, his last conscious memory, the clink and scrape of Revel razoring white powder on the suite's glass-topped coffee table. He'd hoped to dream that he was in the arms of Felix Canonas, but instead he dreamed once again about debugging a jellyfish program. He woke with a terrible hangover. Whatever substance Revel had snorted, It seemed unlikely to be anything so mundane and antiquated as mere cocaine. It didn't seem to be bothering him next morning. Revel lustily ordered a big breakfast from room service. As Revel tipped the busboy lavishly and splashed California champagne into their beaker of orange juice, Tug staggered outside the suite to the balcony. The Monterey air was rank with kelp. Large, immaculate seagulls slid and twisted along the sea breeze updrafts at the hotel's walls. In the distance to the north, a line of California seals sprawled on a rocky wharf like brown slugs on broken concrete. Dead, tin-roofed canneries lined the shore to the south, some of them retrofitted into tourist chip joints and discos, others empty and it near collapse. Tug huffed at the sea air until the vice grip loosened at his temples. The world was bright and chaotic and beautiful. He stumbled into the room, bolted down a champagne mimosa and three forkfuls of scrambled eggs. "'Well, Revel,' he said finally, "'I've got to hand it to you. "'Canona's motorotive is ideal in every respect.' "'Oh!' I've had Monterey in mind since the first time we met here at Sigusk, revel averred. Propping one boot-sucked foot on the tabletop, I took to this place right away. This is my kind of town. With his lean, strangler's mitts folded over his shallow chest, the young oil man looked surprisingly at peace, almost philosophical. You ever read any John Steinbeck tug? "'Steinbeck?' "'Yeah, the Nobel Prize-winning 20th-century novelist.' "'I never figured you for a reading man, Revel. "'I got into Steinbeck's stuff when I first came to Monterey,' Revel said. "'Now I'm a big fan of his. Great writer. "'He wrote a book set right here in Cannery Row. "'You ever read it?' "'Well, it's about all these drunks and whores. "'Living on the hillsides around here are some pretty interesting folks.' And the hero's this guy who's kind of their mentor. He's an ichthyologist who does abortions on the side. Not for the money, though, just because it's the 1940s and he likes to have lots of sex, and abortion happens to be this thing he can hack because of his science background. You see, Tug, in Steinbeck's day, Cannery Row actually canned a hell of a lot of fish. Sardines. But all the sardines vanished, by 1950 some kind of eco disaster thing the sardines never came back at all not to this day he laughed so you know what they sell in this town today Steinbeck yeah I know said Tug. it's kind of a postmodern culture industry museum economy tourist thing yeah Cannery Row can Steinbeck now the Steinbeck novels? and tapes of the crappy movie adaptations, and Steinbeck beer mugs, and Steinbeck keychains, Steinbeck bumper stickers, Steinbeck iron-on patches, Steinbeck fridge magnets, and below the counter, there's Steinbeck blow-up plastic love dolls so that the air-filled author of Grapes of Wrath could be subjected to any number of unspeakable posthumous indignities. You're kidding about the love dolls, right? Heck no, dude. I think what we ought to do is buy one of them, blow it up, and throw it into a cooler full of Lime. What we get is this big jello Steinbeck, see? Maybe it'd even talk, like deliver a Nobel Prize-oration or something. Except, when you go to shake his hand, the hand just snaps off at the wrist like a chili polyp, kind of dough lump of dead author flesh, and floats the air, till it hits some paper and starts writing sequels. What the hell was that stuff you snorted last night, Revel? Bunch of letters and numbers, old son. Seems like they change them every time I score. Tug groaned as if in physical pain. In other words, you're so fried you can't remember. Tug, Revel, jolted from his reverie, frowned. Now, don't go Neanderthal on me, Tug. That stuff is pure competitive edge. You wouldn't act so shocked about it if you'd spent some time in the boardrooms of the Fortune 500 lately. Smart drugs. Revel coughed rackingly and laughed again. Coolest thing about smart drugs is that even if they even barely work, you just gotta take them, no matter how square you are. Otherwise, the Japanese CEOs kick your ass. I think it's time to get some fresh air, Revel. How right you are, hombre. We got to settle in at Canones's tank farm this morning. We got a Niagara of Urschleim headed our way. Revel glanced at his watch. Fact is, stuff ought to be rolling in a couple of hours from now. Let's go on down and get ready to watch the tanks fill up. What if one of the tanks splits open? Then I expect we won't use that particular tank no more. When Revel and Tug got to Motor motorotive, They found several crates of newly delivered equipment waiting for them. Tog was as excited as Christmas morning. Look, Revel. These two boxes are the industrial robots. That box is the supercomputer, and this one here is the laser centering device. Yep, said Revel. And over here is a drum of those piezo plastic beads, and here's a pallet of titanoplast sheets for your jellyfish tanks. You start getting it all set up, Doc, while I check out the pipeline valves, one more time. Tug unlimbered the robots first. They were built like short squat humanoids and each came with a telerobotic interface that had the form of a virtual reality helmet. The idea was that you put on the helmet and watched through the robot's eyes meanwhile taking the robot through some repetitive task that you were going to want it to do. The task in this case was to build jellyfish tanks by lining some of the garage's big truck bays with titanoplast and to fill up the tanks with water. The robot controls were, of course, trickier than Tug had anticipated, but after an hour or so, he had one of them slaving away like the sorcerer's apprentice. He powered up the second robot and used it to bring in and set up the new computer and the laser centering assemblage. Then he cross-loaded the first robot's program onto the second robot and it too got to work turning truck bays into Aquaria. Tug configured the new computer and did a remote login to his workstation back in Los Peros. In 10 minutes, he'd siphoned off copies of all the software he needed and ghostly jellyfish were shimmering across the computer's new screen. Tug went out and looked at the robots. They'd finished five aquaria now, and water was gushing into them from connections the busy robots had made to the canona's motorotive water main. Tug opened the trunk of his car and began bringing in artificial jellyfish and throwing them into the new tanks. Meanwhile, Revel was moving about on the big storage tanks crawling all over them like an excited fly on fresh meat spotting tug revel whooped and waved from the top of a tank the slime's coming soon hollered revel tug waved back and returned to his computer checking his email tug saw that he'd finally gotten a cylentratological monograph concerning one of the catenophores He'd been most eager to model the Venus's girdle, or Cestus veneris, a comb jelly native to the Mediterranean that was shaped like a wide, tapering belt covered with cilia. The Venus's girdle was a true catenophore, and its water-combing cilia were said to diffract sunlight into gorgeous rainbows. It might be fun to wrap one of them around your waist for dress-up, Catenophore, Inc. could make fashion accessories as well as toys. Smiling as he worked, Tug began transferring the robot's data to his design program. The roar of the Urshline coming through the pipeline was like a subway underground. Initially taking it for an earthquake, Tug ran outside and collided with the jubilant revel. Here she comes, partner! The nearest of the giant tanks boomed and shuddered, as the slime began coursing into it. So far, so good, said Revel. Tanks two and three filled up uneventfully, but a long vertical seam midway up on tank four began to gape open as the tank was filling, scampering about like a meth biker roughneck. Revel yanked at the pipeline valves and diverted the Urschline flow from tank four and to tanks five and six, which tidally absorbed the rest of the shipment. As the roaring and booming of the pipeline delivery died down, the metal of Tank 4 gave a dying shriek and ripped open from top to bottom. Floundering in vast, chaotic motion, the sides of the great tank unrolled to fall outward like a snipped ribbon, tearing loose from the huge disk top, which glided forward some twenty yards like a giant frisbee. An acre or more of slime gushed out of the burst tank to flood the tank farm's dry, weedy soil. The thousands of gallons of glistening urschlime mounded up on the ground like a clear tapioca pudding. Tug started running toward the spill, fearful for Revel's safety. But no, there was Revel, standing safe off to one side like a triumphant cockroach. Come on, Tug, he called. Come and look at this. Tug kept running and Revel met him at the edge of the Urschleim spill. This is just like the spill at Dithery, exclaimed Revel, but you'll see spilling urslime on the ground don't mean a thing. You ready to start filling orders, Tug? His voice sounded tinny and high, like the voice of an indestructible cartoon character. This stuff is warm, said Tug, leaning forward to feel the great knee-high pancake of Urschleim. His voice too had a high quacking quality. Here and there, fat bubbles of gas formed beneath the Lime and burst plopping holes in it. The huge urshlime flapjack was giving off gas like a dough full of yeast, but the gas was helium, which is why their voices were high. And I just realized how the Lime makes helium, squawked Tug. Cold fusion! "'Let's run back in the garage, Revel, and find out whether or not we've got radiation sickness. "'Come on, I mean it! Run!' "'Back in the garage. They caught their breath for a while. "'Why should we have radiation sickness?' puffed Revel finally. "'I think your ursch is fusing hydrogen atoms together to make helium,' said Tug. "'Depending on the details of the process, that can mean anything from warming the stuff up "'to killing everyone in the county!' Well, it ain't killed anyone down in Dithery so far, Revel scoffed. I come to think of it, one of my techs did check the first batch over with a Geiger counter. That ain't radioactive, Tug. How could it be? We're going to use it to make toys. Toys? You've already got orders? Got a fellow who owns a chain of variety stores down in Orange County. Wants 10,000 jellies to sell for swimming Pool toys, all shapes and sizes. I told him... Let's send him out down the pipeline to his warehouse early tomorrow morning. He's taking out ads in tomorrow's newspapers. Heavens to Betsy! exclaimed Tug. How are we going to pull that off? I figure all you need to do is tap off Urshlime a bucketful at a time and just dip one of your artificial jellyfish into each bu- bucketful. The Ur snot will glom right onto the math and start acting like a jellyfish. You sell the slime jellyfish and keep the plastic jellyfish to use as a seed again and again. We're going to do that ten thousand times by tomorrow morning? Teach the damn robots to do it! Just about then, Felix Canonas showed up in a truck to try and find out what they had just spilled out of tank four. Revel blustered at him until he went away, but not before Tug... Managed to set a dinner date with him for that evening. "'Jesus, Tug!' snapped Revel. "'What in the hell you want to have supper with that old man for? "'I hope to God it ain't because of—' "'Hark!' sang Tug. "'The love that dares not speak its name. "'Maybe I can get myself a Venus's girdle centered up in time. "'I think it would be a stunning thing to wear. "'The Venus's girdle is a catenophore native to the Mediterranean.' If I can make mine come out anywhere near as gorgeous as the real thing, then we'll sell 20,000 of them to your man in Orange County. Revel nodded grimly. Let's get in on in the garage and start working, son. They tried to get the robots to help with making the 10,000 jellies, but the machines were slow and awkward at this task. Tug and Revel set to work making the jellies themselves. Tapping off lime vivifying it with the magic touch of a plastic jellyfish and throwing the Urshlime jellyfish into one of the aquaria for storage. They put nets over the storage aquaria to keep the creatures from floating off. Soon the nets bulged upward with a dizzying array of Urshlime solentoroids. When dinner time rolled around, Tug, to Revel's displeasure, excused himself for his date, with Felix Canonas, "'I'll just work on through,' yelled Revel. "'I care about business, Tug!' "'I'll check back with you around midnight.' "'Fine!' Revel drew out his packet of white powder and inhaled deeply. "'I can go all night, you lazy heifer!' "'Don't overwork yourself, Revel. "'If we don't finish all the jellyfish tonight, "'we can finish them early tomorrow morning. "'How many do we have done, anyway?' "'I'm counting about three thousand, said Revel, Damn, but those robots are slow. Well, I'll be back later to drive you back to the hotel. Don't do anything crazy while I'm gone. You're the one who's crazy, Tug. Tug's dinner with Felix Canonas went very well, even though Tug hadn't had time to center himself that Venus's girdle. After the meal, they went back to Felix's house and got to know each other better. The satiated Tug dropped off to sleep, and by the time he got back to the tank farm to pick up Revel, it was nearly dawn. A stiff breeze was blowing from the south, and a dying moon hung low in the west over the sea. Patches of fog swept northward across the moon's low disk. The great tanks of Erschlein were creaking and shivering. Tug opened the garage door to find the whole interior space Filled with Urschleim jellies, crouched cackling at one side of the garage was the wasted Revel. Streaming out of five jury-rigged pipes next to Revel were a steady stream of fresh Urschlime jellyfish blowing out of the pipes like bubbles from a bubble wand. Every now and then an air bubble would start to swell too large before breaking free and one of the two robots would step forward and snip it off. Reckon we got enough yet? Tug asked Revel. I didn't lost count. Tug did a quick estimation of the volume of the garage divided by the volume of an air jelly and came up with two hundred thousand. Yes, Revel, that's way more than enough. Stop it now. How did you get around having to dip the plastic jellyfish into the slime? The smart nose knows," said Revel, horning up a thumbnail of white powder. How was your big date? My date was fine, said Tug, pushing past Revel to turn off the valves on the five pipes. It could even be the beginning of a steady thing. Thank God this garage isn't wood or these air jellies would lift off the roof. How are you going to feed them all into the pipeline to Orange County, Revel? Got the robots to rig a collector up top there, said Revel, gesturing toward the distant ceiling. You think it's time to ship them out? Can do! Revel slapped the large toggle switch that one of the robots had jury-rigged into the wall. The deep throb of a powerful electric pump began. That's good, Revel. Let's get the jellies out of here. But you still didn't tell me how you got the jellies to come out of the pipes already made. Tug paused and stared at Revel. I mean... How they could come out ready-made without your having to dip a plastic jellyfish in them. What did you do? Well, I could tell by your face that you already know the answer, snapped Revel defensively. You want to hear it? Okay. I went and put one of your goddamn precious plastic jellies in each of the big tanks. Same ideas back at Dithery. Once the whole tank's got your weird math in it, the pieces that bubble out form jellies naturally. We got sea nettles in tank number one, moon jellies in number two, those spotted jellies in tank three, bell jellies in tank five, and ctenophores in tank six, comb jellies. Tank four is busted, you recall. Busted, said Tug softly. Outside, the screeching of metal rose above the sawing of the wind, and the chug of the pipeline pump that was sucking the garage's jellies off the ceiling and pipelining them off to Orange County. Busted! A huge crash sounded from the tank field. Tug helped the disoriented Revel out into the driveway in front of the garage. Tank number six was gone, and a spindle-shaped comb jelly the size of a blimp was bouncing across the sloping field of artichoke plants that lay north of the tank farm. The great moving form was live and shiny in the slanting moonlight. Its transparent flesh glowed faintly from the effects of cold fusion. The other tanks are going to break up too, Revel, Tug murmured. One by one, it's the helium. Them giant air jellies are going to look plum beautiful when the sun comes up, said Revel, squinting at his watch. "'It'll be great publicity for Katen of Four, Inc.' "'Did I tell you I got the papers for it drawn up?' "'No,' said Tug. "'Shouldn't I sign the papers?' "'No need for you to sign, old son,' said Revel. "'The Urschlam's mine, and so is the company. "'I'm putting you on salary. "'You're our chief scientist.' "'God damn it, Revel, don't play me for a sucker. "'I wanted stock. You knew that.' "'A dark figure shuffled up behind them "'and tapped Revel's shoulder with its metal claw.' It was one of the industrial robots carrying Revel's portable phone. There's a call on your phone, Mr. Pullen, from Orange County. You set the phone down earlier while you were ingesting narcotics. Busy, busy, exclaimed Revel. They must be wanting to transfer payment for our shipment. We're in business, Tug, my man. And just to make sure there's no hard feelings, I'll pay your first year's salary in advance, tomorrow, that is. As Revel drew out his portable foam, another of the great metal tanks gave way, releasing a giant toadstool-like spotted jelly. Outlined against the faint eastern sky, it was an awesome sight. The wind urged the huge, quivering thing northwards, and its great stubby tentacles dragged stubbornly across the ground. Tug wished briefly that Revel were screaming in the jelly's grip instead of screaming into his telephone. Lost them! Revel was screeching. What the hell you mean? We shipped them to you, and you owe us the money for them. Your warehouse roof blew off. That's not my fault, is it? Well, yes, we did ship some extras. Yes, we shipped you 20 to 1. We figured you'd have a high demand. So that makes it our fault? Kiss my grits! He snapped the phone shut and scowled. So... All the jellies in Orange County got away, said Tug softly. It's looking kind of bad for Catenophore Inc., isn't it, Revel? It's going to be tough to run that operation alone. With a roar, a third storage tank gave way like a hatching edge, releasing a moon jelly the size of an ice-skating rink. The first rays of the rising sun shimmered on its great surface. In the distance, there were sirens. In rapid succession, the two remaining tanks burst open, unleashing a bell jelly and a mammoth sea nettle. A vagary of the dawn breeze swept the sea nettle towards Tug and Revel. Instead of fleeing it, Revel ran crazily towards it, bellowing in mindless anger. Tug watched Revel for a moment too long, for now the huge sea nettle lashed out two of its dangling oral arms, "'and snagged the both of them. "'Swelling its hollow gut a bit larger, "'the vast sea nettle rose a few hundred feet into the air "'and began drifting north along Route 1 "'toward San Francisco. "'By swinging themselves around and climbing frenziedly, "'Tug and Revel were able to find a perch together "'and the tangled tissues on the underside "'of the enormous sea nettle. "'The effort and the clear morning air seemed finally to have cleared Revel's head. "'We're lucky these things don't sting, eh, Doc? "'Gotta hand it to you. "'Say, ain't this a hell of a ride?' The light of the morning sun refracted wonderfully through the giant lens-like tissues of the helium-filled sea nettle. "'I wonder if we can steer it,' said Tug, "'feeling around in the welter of dangling jelly frills,' All around them, it'd be pretty cool to set down at Crissy Field right near the Golden Gate Bridge. If anyone can steer at Tug, you're the man. Using his knowledge of the jelly's basins of chaotic attraction, Tug was indeed able to adjust the giant sea nettle's pulsings so as to bring them to hover over Crissy Field's great grassy sward. Right at the mouth of the San Francisco Bay, First, making a low pass over the hilly streets of San Francisco. Below were thousands of people massed to greet them. They descended lower and lower, surrounded by a buzzing pack of TV station helicopters. Anticipating a deluge of orders for catenophore products, Revel phoned up Hoss Jenkins to check his Urschlime supply. We got more goo than oil, Revel! shouted Haas. It's showing up in all our wells and everybody else's wells all across Texas. Turns out there wasn't nothing primeval about your slime at all. It's just a mess of those gene-spliced bacteria. Like I told you all along, them germs have floated down from the air jellies and are eating up all the oil they can find. Well, keep pumping that goo. We got us a global market here, We got cold fusion happening, Haas. Not to mention airships, my man. And self-heating housing. And probably that ain't but the half of it. I sure hope so, Revel. Because it looks like all the oil business left in Texas is about to turn into the flying jelly business. Uncle Donnie Ray's asking lots of questions, Revel. I hope you're prepared for this. Hell, yes, I'm prepared, Revel snapped. I spent all my life waiting for a chance like this. Me and old Tug are the pioneers of a paradigm-shattering post-industrial revolution, and anybody who don't like it can get in the bread lines like them no-nuck numbskulls from IBM. Revel snapped the phone shut. What's the news, Revel? asked Tug. All the oil in Texas is turning into Urshlime, said Revel, and we're the only ones who know what to do about it. Let's land this thing and start making us some deals. The giant sea nettle hovered uneasily, rippling a bit in the prop wash of the anxious helicopters. Tug made no move to bring them lower. There's no we and no us. As long as you're talking that salary bullshit, said Tug angrily. If you want me to bust ass and take risks in your startup, it has to be... Fifty-fifty down the line. I want to be fully vested. I want to be on the board. I want to call my share of the shots. I'll think about it, Revel hedged. You better think fast, Revel. Tug looked down between his legs at the jostling crowd below. Look at them all. You don't really know how the hell we got here or what we're doing, Revel. Are you ready to face them alone? It's nice up here in this balloon. But we can't ride a balloon forever. Sooner or later, we're going to have to walk on our own two feet again and look people right in the eye. He reached into the tissues of the giant sea nettle, manipulating it. Now the sun-baked, quake-prone ground began rising up steadily again. Tattooed local hipsters billowed away from beneath them and San Francisco's trademark melange of ecstasy and dread. What are you going to say to them when I land us? Demanded Tug harshly. Me, Revel said surprised. You're the scientist. You're the one who's supposed to explain. Just feed them some mathematics, chaos equations, and all that bullshit. It don't matter if they can't understand it. There's no such thing as bad publicity, Tug. P.T. Barnum said that. P.T. Barnum wasn't in the artificial life business, Revel. Sure he was, said Revel, as the great jellyfish touched down. And, okay, what the hey, if you'll stick with me and do the talking, I'll go ahead and cut you in for 50%. Tug and Revel stepped from the jellyfish and shook hands, grinning gamely in a barrage of exploding flashbulbs.